You are listening to the Enormocast. Black Diamond is a proud sponsor of the Enormocast. And this year, Black Diamond is presenting The Rock Project, a dynamic program of outreach, media, and activism to bring climbers of all abilities and origins together to protect climbing resources the world over. Climbing is our playground, basically. And we use it, and we should treat it like we treat our house. Pienso que es importante para, para disfrutar de la naturaleza con otros escaladores. This is awesome. This is connecting to the community. This is connecting to nature. Um, I want to go back to that every time. This weekend at the Rock Project, there was a lot of things that I learned. Minimizing your impact, having that be part of the conversation around climbing, along with this is the route I want to do, this is the gear I need. Understanding that I have an impact, that one person has an impact. I think being a responsible user means being aware. Being aware of people around you, being aware of your surroundings, being aware of your impact. I'm leaving no trace and I'm not bothering their surroundings. There are a lot of climbers out there that care, but they don't know how to get involved. And that's where the Rock Project comes in. So go to blackdiamondequipment.com or accessfund.org for more information. We're all in this together. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Caloose. It is about 2.30 Mountain Standard Time, June 24th. This is episode 83 of the Enormacast. A live Enormacast from Bonfire Coffee in Carbondale, Colorado during the Five Point Film Festival. This is sort of an Enormacast all-star episode. Brendan Leonard, Hayden Kennedy, Andrew Bishrat and I sit down to discuss all the new interests that media has, that mainstream media has in our little sport called climbing this year, partially, although a large partially, thanks to the Dawn Wall, among other things. Anyway, we discuss whether that's good or bad. We discuss social media. We discuss whether the soul of climbing is just a shell of its former self, just a shriveled up raisin in the sun, or if there's still some pith left in that soul. Anyway, look forward to that. I don't have much to say, but I do want to remind you that Sportiva is now a major sponsor of the Enormacast in this month. Sportiva is highlighting their katanas. Two shoes, lace up, one with an innovative Velcro strap-in. I love these things. They are one of my go-to shoes in the quiver. And uh, incidentally, HK, Hayden Kennedy, guest on the show, also highly endorsed the katana. I can't remember exactly what he said when he saw the well-loved beat-up pair I was using last month in Rifle. Basically, he said they are the one. They kind of have that magic combination of being a precise and sharp weapon in the quiver. But if you size them up right, you can wear them all day. And they work really well on a lot of different types of rock. So that's why they're my go-to. That's why they're HK's go-to. And they should maybe be your go-to as well. So go to Sportiva.com for more information about the Katana that comes in lace-up, comes in a Velcro version, comes in a women's version as well as their full line of climbing shoes. Best made climbing shoes on the planet, for sure. LaSportiva.com. Support La Sportiva, and you're supporting the Enorma cast. All right, last chance before the festival to say I hope I see you guys in Lander. Just stop by the mobile studio, have a drink, have a coffee, depending on what time of day it is, or just stop by to say hello. Always a good time up there. Always glad to hang out with fans of the show. So don't hesitate. We'll see you there. All right, folks, on to the show. 
Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing it at? We're doing the, uh, the Norma Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, yeah, the big yeah. place. Sold That's, it out. That's a big nice. place. She sold it out. I'll say you really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed having with you. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Good weather, bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Good time. Hello and welcome to the Normal Cast. I'm your host, Chris Galoose. It is Friday, April 24th, uh, about 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Welcome to the Normal Cast. Uh, thanks for coming, everybody. We got a good crowd in here. Uh, the folks in the back are looking at me a little strange. Um, Hopefully this won't disturb your morning and your coffee, but uh, we're going to have a little show back here. We're going to have a inter- couple interviews with these guys. Um, I'm actually going to run a panel show, which for those of you who listen to the show is a little different than some of the uh, live shows that I put out. But last time in Red Rocks, uh, which is the show that's out right now, um, I thought it worked really well. So I thought I'd try it again because I am making this up as I go. For those of you who don't know what's going on, although I think the folks that showed up probably do, this is a, a podcast about rock climbing. Um, <laughs> hey, Alan, would you ask him to k- kill the music? It just hasn't happened yet. All right, we're just going to listen. This is Hayden's theme music. This is good, man. I'll just cut this part out. Oh, there it goes. Nice spade. That was nice. Okay, uh, back back to uh, my intro. So anyway, this is a podcast. Um, I have right now 79 episodes out um, with interviews with climbers, uh, interviews with locals here, uh, panel shows, as it were, and um, all just straight up climbing talk. If, if you're if you're um, just can't get enough of that in your life, that's what the uh, that's what the podcast is for. So if you're one of those people that are like, why do we only talk about climbing, then it's probably not for you. Um, Wait, so this is, is this the 80th episode? This well, I don't know when I'll put it out, but it, it'll be. In the, uh, why is there something important about 80? I was just curious. Okay, cool. Well, with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my guest. Um, I've been telling people I got a little bit lazy um, on this one because uh, I was trying to wrangle some of the folks coming to town, the climbers, but you know, people were like not getting here in time and. Quite frankly, I've been going hard on the Enormacast for the last couple of months. Like, it's been kind of a big takeover of a lot of parts of my life. So I like stepped back and I said, you know what I should just do is do a, a Enormacast All-Stars show. All these guys have been on the show at least twice. Um, I believe twice for Andrew, twice for Brendan. And if you count the first two shows as two, you've been on three times. On the original, the, yeah. the, the, the very first, though. Well, we're play. pretty close. Oh, yeah, you were on that, too. Oh, my God, that's right. The, the long-lost uh, proto-podcast that I had that, that's gone and uh, shall never be revisited. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to introduce these guys. On the end is Andrew Bisharat, author of How to Sport Climb and... What was it again? Can you tell me? I know I'm not supposed to bring it up for some reason. It's just a stupid book. <laughs> 
It's not your, it's not your like, great American novel. All right, anyway, Andrew uh, is the uh, proprietor of a great website called Evening Sends, which is sort of a um, clearinghouse for not only his climbing, but he offers, the, uh, he offers authorship privileges to a bunch of different climbers in the community, particularly uh, a one that's great to go back through is The Day I Sent, which is uh, a series of essays from all sorts of different climbers, including myself at one point. Um, about climbing a route that was really important to them, whether it was their hardest route or whether there was some big history behind it or that it was scary or just something that meant uh, something to them. And uh, I don't know, how many of those do you have on there about now? I don't know. That's a good question. Probably 20 or so. Yeah, and it's, it's climbers of all stripe. I mean, there's some pros in there and there's people like me in there and, and uh, it's really great reads and he does a great job helping those guys edit and, and make a really good story out of their stuff. So... But that's just not it. What else you got on there? Uh, there's gear reviews. There's um, humorous articles. Have you read? Have you looked at your <laughs> website lately? There lately. <laughs> there's uh, videos that other people have posted that I repost. Oh, cool. One of those guys. Actually, there's none of that. No. I try to stay away from that. Anyway, it's a great clearinghouse for his writing as well. And um, used to, or still, still works for Rock and Ice as an editor at large. And uh, was one of the mainstay for many years at Rock and Ice. So, Andrew Bisharat. Hello. In the middle here is, is Brendan Leonard. And uh, Brendan and I met sort of right when I began this thing. And uh, through a friend here in town, uh, BJ Sabara and Tracy Wilson, friends here in town that um, were also really helpful when I first started this thing, especially BJ's knowledge of, of how the interwebs work um, was super helpful. And some, at some point we got introduced and uh, I actually had you on the show specifically because of a piece that you had written in the Mountain Gazette about uh, some trials and tribulations in your life that um, had changed you in, in super significant ways. We don't need to go back into that. It's episode 17, I believe, if you want to go listen to that one. Whoa. Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> but anyway, I've also, uh, in the meantime, come to respect what Brendan does um, at semirad.com, uh, as well as two books, the New, New American. American Road Trip mixtapes, <laughs> as well as uh, Funny Shit in the Woods. And that's as dirty as we're going to get today at the uh, Bonfire Coffee. Tell me about what goes on on semirad.com. Uh, I tell people it's my mom's favorite website. Um, I just write a weekly piece. Sometimes it's a listicle. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's a little more thoughtful. Um, it's definitely not very serious most of the time. Um, and sometimes it's about climbing. Sometimes it's not. Right. Uh, I feel like that's a really bad way to sell it. It, it appeals <laughs> to the every man, I guess, and every woman. I guess I'm learning to not ask people to describe their own website. You should ask, I should have I described Andrew's website. Yeah, you guys should have like, gone back and forth. Like, yeah. So one thing that's important to know about Brennan's website is that is that he sort of speaks to kind of, um, I don't know, a lot of the meaning and, and transcendence behind the things that we do in the outdoors. It's, it's not, he doesn't focus on technical, he doesn't focus on numbers, but he sort of focuses on adventure and on you know, the All humor the behind it. Man. Yeah, Just the, the experience. experience. Totally. Yeah. Goofy, but pithy occasionally. The other thing that I earned a lot of respect in the beginning up with Brennan is that he, he took a, a leap into trying to become this sort of self-sufficient writer living in his van, just like 
to, to use a cliche phrase, but, but I love it anyway, is trying to live the dream. However, you've landed in an apartment in Denver, so tell me a little bit for a minute about the transition from van life to, to settling back down to a certain extent. Uh, I think it, I think I was just telling Hayden this yesterday. Like living in your van and climbing is awesome, and uh, living in your van and trying to run a business is kind of harder. <laughs> like all the places that are awesome to go do outdoor stuff don't necessarily have good environments for you know like Wi-Fi and whatnot. You can spend four hours at the Springdale Library outside or at the the coffee shop in Springdale, and then you go to the library and find out the the Wi-Fi doesn't work very well and. It's tough, so I got kind of exhausted, and it was almost three years, and I thought, this is enough to do, you know, this, this will impress everyone I went to high school with, you know. <laughs> That's good enough. That's awesome. Isn't that part of it? You're just like, yeah. look at me. I'm living the dream. You guys all You're so stuck in an office. <laughs> you suck. With your nice stuff. <laughs> your haircuts. And, fa- and family. <laughs> yeah. Your haircuts, yeah. You know, it smell like feet. <laughs> All right, so moving to to uh, the next spot here is my close friend Hayden Kennedy, and if you've listened to the show, uh, Hayden's been on a couple times, and uh, the thing about the relationship that I've had with Hayden is that um, I knew Hayden, uh, you know, since he was a little kid, and in fact, uh, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again, is... Uh, I didn't ever teach Hayden. I was once a high school teacher, but Hayden wasn't in high school. Um, however, he was in eighth grade, and I had a band uh, that I did with the kids, a blues band, and um, I needed a horn section. And the music teacher, Chris Bank, he said, yeah, I got these two kids, uh, you and Dominic. That was the other kid's name, right? Yeah, Dominic, trombone player. Yeah, so Hayden Kennedy is, is uh, a saxophone player. That's also not well-known among the outdoor enthusiasts. Um, Still? Yeah, in the vein of Backer. You know, Backer used to jam out yeah. his sax Much in the tunnel. to Backer, but it's, yeah. I, I don't generally bring the sax to the crowd okay. like Backer did. Well, you're still young. You're going to get like, more... Like, hanging out at the like, rim of Owensburg Gorge without his shirt on playing, like, Coltrane. Yeah, I well... do do that. Look, you've got a lot more time to become more eccentric, yeah. so... And it's going to happen if you stick with this lifestyle, so don't, don't completely rule that out, Okay. Okay. But um, he came up and started playing saxophone, and uh, his buddy Dominic came up. And then a, f- a few years ago, uh, he sort of, we were talking about it, and, and Hayden kind of was telling me about, which something I didn't realize. And I was pretty good, I thought, as a teacher of like being empathetic with what it was like to be a kid. And, you know, I kind of act like a kid still, so I was like, well, I know what it was like. But I missed this one simple point, which was, should have been obvious, is that. The, the gal I had singing in the band was a senior, a local girl, and um, I, I, for, for reasons of the story, maybe I shouldn't name her, but she was a great, awesome blues singer. Like, I really lucked out having her in the band. And, you know, also, and she was quite attractive, you know, was an 18-year-old. And I didn't realize that what I had done to these poor eighth graders, like eighth graders don't get to hang out with senior girls. Senior girls don't talk to eighth graders. They don't look at them. They don't give them the time of day. And this girl was a really sweet, wonderful girl. She's in a band with these guys, so she's being friendly to them, you know, just like giving them compliments about their playing and everything else. And what I didn't realize like, it was like driving them crazy. <laughs> For like a I couple love, years. I love how every time that Hayden's on the Enormacast, it always devolves into his like love life dramas. 
be, this is like maybe the first. This goes back to eighth grade, and then we have another. Eighth grade years. <laughs> Great years. Yeah, those are difficult years for gentlemen. You Dutch guys remember. Springfield, son yeah. of a preacher man, will yeah. never forget it. Yeah, a little stormy Monday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so I, I, I think I actually, that was a gift I actually ended up giving you. That was a gift, frankly, thank you. So. Anyway, so that, that's me and Hayden's past, and we've grown up, or he's grown up, and, and I've actually regressed. Uh, so although when we first met, I was his teacher, and he was this kid, and sort of the level of our, our kind of existence was very far apart, he's grown up and become quite mature, and I quit teaching and regressed into a cl- back into a climbing bum. So we actually, even though we're the same age apart, we're sort of much closer mentality-wise, I think, and... Um, Went down to Mexico with Hayden last year for, for six weeks or however long it was. And, that was uh, good times. Yeah. Good times. So we've climbed together. And um, the, the other last thing I'll say about Hayden is that he uh, was one of the first shows that I put out where like people really took notice of the Enormal cast. So I will be forever grateful for you doing that three years ago. Um, sitting up in the cabin. Help a brother out. Yeah. Sitting up in the, the cabin. HK bump. Yep. It was important at the time. And uh, sitting up in the cabin, plowing through a 12-pack and put out a good three-hour episode from that. So that's way back in the beginning, like six and seven. So I still get props about those interviews, and mostly because of you. So Anyway, I brought these guys up um, as a panel discussion, and I want to kind of like position this before I sort of throw some questions out to them, and hopefully they've got astute and and, uh, long-winded answers, because we have an hour to fill. But... I've been thinking a lot lately about uh, the media exposure and the kind of mainstream media exposure that climbing has received in the last few months. And if you guys are climbers and you, you know what I'm talking about to a certain extent, and even if you're not, even if you sort of dabble, this thing that we're actually going to talk about a bunch this weekend because uh, Tommy Caldwell's here. He's going to present on Sunday. Um, he's going to uh, be a part of the show tonight and I think elsewhere, but is the media exposure that came out of the Donwall experience. And uh, we had never seen that in climbing. We had never seen anything in my 20-some years uh, of doing this where normal people, quote-unquote civvies, uh, stood up and took notice of climbing. And it, and it was, as if any of you guys watched or, or, or took part in like that frenzy, you realize that they didn't get a lot right uh, about what we do out there, um, which is one thing I wanted to talk about. I've been dealing with this thing that Black Diamond's been doing, um, the Rock Project, which is they're sort of looking at it with the access fund of like, well, what's going to happen when when sort of gym climbers, which aren't the usual type of, of, or at least 20 years ago wasn't the way people got into climbing, like this massive influx. They're sort of like concerned about it in a way of, of are these people going to come out of the gyms with urban attitudes or are they going to come out of the gyms with sort of an attitude of, of conservation and, 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 you know, loving nature and those sorts of things, which maybe right or wrong, we generally associate with, with climbing. And um, I mean, I can think of many incidences in the last 20 years, though, where Climbers weren't being very uh, conscious of all that stuff. But that's our image that we have. So that sort of got me thinking about it. Um, And I got an email from uh, a guy recently who was a surfer for his whole life. And I talk on the show occasionally about how I think that climbing and surfing have a lot of parallels because of the lifestyle. Because, you know, surfing is that thing where you just... Some people just like give up everything and go on the road to surf, and that's really similar to climbing. You know, if you don't see that in golf, um, 
or, or, or other individual type sports. I, I mean, I think it would be cool if like there was people dirtbagging around Scotland, like golfing, like golfing the sweetest courses. Like I heard the 19th hole, there is no such thing. You know, the se- there is a secret 19th hole on this course that nobody's ever been to. We're going to go find it. We're going to sleep in our vans tonight because we don't have any money for hotels. I mean, that would be rad. I mean, or the Alpine star did the yeah. very fresh grass. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. Like, I yeah, think midnight. the 19th hole is the bar. <laughs> exactly. That's actually correct. Yeah. They, had to bi- they had to bivy on hole 17 because they, you know, they had to set up a base camp because they couldn't make it. But there anyway. are people sleeping outside of the 19th hole in Scotland, but <laughs> for different Probably. reasons. Yeah. I also have a great lead. Sleeping non- or passed out, I don't know which. I have a great non-leave-no-trace story about a golf course, but it's probably inappropriate for... Oh, okay. It's not, it's not mine. Does it have to do with something going in the hole? On the green. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway, don't vandalize golf courses. Human dog scoot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, where was I? Uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, so he sent me this letter, and he talked about how he was a surfer for a really long time, and he actually kind of said, you know what, like, you guys are worried about the crowding at the cliffs, like, it's nothing compared to what happened to surfing. Well, surfers just beat up each other, man, like, climbers are not like that. Well, that's true, and that's one thing he said as well, because I always maintain that us climbers were special people, and uh, I'll go to the grave with that in my mind, and and he he agreed with that to a certain extent, and, because he did say what Hayden just said, like, I'll go into the water, and one in five times, I'm going to get an altercation, and one in 15, it's going to be it's going to be physical, you know, and he's, that never happens at the cliffs. But, you know, when he talked about this crowding thing, and we're worried about that right now, you know, we, we go to these places and it feels like there's just some of these resources are being overwhelmed. But so that, that's kind of the things that got me started thinking about this. So I want to ask you guys, um, one the preface to this question is that when the Donwall thing was happening and, and every climber was tweeting about it and every you know, company was tweeting about it or sending out messages or talking about how great it was that our sport was finally being recognized, you know, by the greater mainstream media. I started to think, like, is that automatically a good thing? Are we, are we pleased with that or are we not pleased with that? And is, is there good things and is there possible sort of fallout from, from, from that that may be negative? What do you guys think? I don't know. Like the first thing I think of when when people say finally it's getting recognition is that I'm, I remember a few, what, however many years ago it was that sport climbing did not get into the Olympics and people were were mad and I thought well, I don't really care. You know, what I mean, like I don't know that it, to me personally, I don't know that it needs to be recognized or understood. You know, people are as that whole thing illustrated. People, it's really hard to explain. As like I know, like I had to write a several little explainer articles for people as Andrew did too. And you're like, wow, this is really an esoteric thing. Like no wonder they kept repeating using only their hands and their feet using, you know, it's just like this line that the press just kept repeating over and over. And it's like, yeah, it's really, it's really complicated, especially in the style that those guys did it too, where it was like, it wasn't just, you know, one guy leads, one guy follows. They were both, you know, red pointing all the pitches. And then you're like, well, they did that because the, you know, like, and it, it, you know, you can't explain that to your grandmother. Your grandmother understands Everest, you know, like, yeah, you start here, you end there, you know. And like, well, I think it's like important to yeah. know too that I mean, it's like Alex Honnold, like he brought climbing to the mainstream as well, and it's really under easy to understand what he does because it's like, oh, he just climbs without a rope, 
And if he falls, he dies. And then he's like standing on this like horrendous granite smear. And you don't have to be a climber to be like, wow, that looks horrifying. <laughs> so, I mean, and then also, I think with the, just the technology, I mean, because when Warren Harding climbed the Donwall for the first time, I mean, there was like a huge news crew that like met them at the top. You know, and so, but it was just different because, you know, you couldn't like follow Warren Harding, you know, in like whenever he did that in like 1970, you couldn't follow every single day that they were up there where now you can, but it was still like, I mean, the steps that they took and the media at that time was arguably maybe the same as it is now. It's just things have just moved that much further on, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I think that actually story, I kept waiting for somebody out there to pick up on that because there was an irony in it. The fact was that when, when Warren Harding and Dean Caldwell, no relation, right, uh, yeah. climbed the, the original wall of early morning light is what it was called. The Don Wall is kind of a reference to the conglomeration of roots that are on that wall. He, there was actually a big quote-unquote media storm at the time and and truthfully, if you look at some of, the, some of the reaction to it of the climbers in the valley, they were sure it was like the end of the world as well. Like they thought, okay, these guys have sold out. They had a, didn't they have a wine sponsorship or something like that? Like supposedly? Yeah, they had a brandy sponsorship yeah. or something. <laughs> and they're like, oh, they sold out. It's over. Like climbing's done. Like it's, it's, you know, we've ruined it all of a sudden. So, but uh, like none of, the, none of the outlets I saw uh, really picked up on that kind of, um, that sort of, uh, parallel between the original I, I actually wrote about that yeah but you obviously haven't been paying attention to well, what you've been doing the thing is my friend is I as much as you want to be and as much as you you wish the money would start rolling in I do not consider you a mainstream uh, mainstream media outlet especially because Damn. you have such an expertise in climbing so uh, my thoughts on on this subject are that I think climbing is quite a ways off from being reaching that saturation point of surfing where there is like one wave at one good time of day, like outside of one badass, you know, place to live. And so you see a lot of like crowded areas like around San Diego or Santa Cruz or whatever. Uh, but the only place I've seen like way too much crowding in the climbing world is in the gym. And most of those people don't climb outside and have no interest in climbing outside they you know they're happy to climb in the gym on tuesday thursday nights and even on the weekends when it's sunny so and there's just so much rock out there like i, I think back to that trip that hayden and i did to castle valley uh last year we walked you know we like hiked up and there's like six parties on fine jade there were all these parties on the core angles but they're Hayden did a really good job of pointing out and like leading me up all these like really scary routes that there was no one else on and it was awesome. So Yeah, I think it's a good point too. I mean in Yosemite as far as the Dawn Wall goes, I mean Yosemite is like the epicenter of climbing in the US, but definitely in the world at some level. I mean, it's a pretty major zone and I think it's easy for people to point at El Cap and be like, Oh my god, like this is this is it. Like, this is Mecca. This is... And I think that that's kind of what was presented on the Donwall. Like, this is the greatest rock climbing achievement of all time. It's easy to point out because the captain's right there. You drive by it. I mean, you know, if you're driving from San Francisco over to the east side of the Sierra, you have to drive through Yosemite if the pass is open and you see El Cap. So it's like right. this... But then, like, you know, outside of Carbondale, we have, like... There are definitely no El Caps, but we've got a lot of climbing that's, like, you know decent and still awesome and you don't see anyone climbing there i mean for example like the black canyon i mean who who goes to the black canyon 
I do. I do. <laughs> but I mean, it's just it's check. Check two. We've, have we said rifle? No, we didn't. Check. Did you? Okay. There's just a lot of yeah. I mean, there's a lot of climbing errors, and yeah, like Andrew said, I agree with Andrew. I think that I, I think we're definitely a far ways off from the complete overcrowding of it all. Mm-hmm. Well, what what you you mentioned the right away mentioned the the difficulty of trying to sort of telegraph what those guys were up to on on the wall and. Um, is a kind of an aside. I, there's this podcast that I listen to called uh, Hang Up and Listen. It's it's the only sports podcast I listen to um, because they do kind of like a deeper look at sports. And so, like, I totally, you know, right away when that first article uh, came out in the New York Times that was just so off the mark, I was like, aren't these guys supposed to do research? <laughs> like, how is this, how is this, like, top-level journalist, like, getting stuff so wrong? So I, I right away was like, every once in a while they do a story on this thing, like, that's, that's kind of um, uh, off the main ball sports, as we like to call them, and they call them as well. So I, was, I texted them or emailed them right away and said, you should, have, you should have me on the show. I'll tell you all about the, the Don Wall and, like, what's going on. Because I had communicated with them before but never received anything back. So Did they respond I, to you? Well, I'll get to that. Um, they actually didn't respond to me. Um, but like four days later, because I had told Andrew about this, about this podcast, I got a text from Andrew like, Hey, weird thing, man. I'm going to be on hang up and listen today. <laughs> really? Yeah. Calus was like green with envy. <laughs> oh yeah, for yeah. sure. I was like, that was my bit. They went and, to a... and you would have done such a better job than I would have too. Well, along those lines, and I don't necessarily agree with you, but even though I wasn't going to be on the show and you were. Um, I kind of sat there and, and, and sort of pretended that I was on the show. You know, I have mics in my office and stuff, so I could, I could, I could do that. Like, you just wake up in the morning, <laughs> look in the mirror with a yep. microphone, yep. talk to yourself. There's the reality, and then there's the fantasy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, hit the big time, be on a Slate podcast. But anyway, I, I did do this kind of mental thing through my head of like, well, if I was on there and I had, you know, the 10 minutes or whatever they gave you, like... How would I get them from what was talked about in that article to actually understanding things like you said, the red point and, you know, yeah, but he's going to, you know, just because he didn't do the pitch means that he can come back and try it again. And like, I like just in 30 seconds in my mind, I was already just like imagining how lost these guys would be and how, you know, I would cut it from an hour and a half, you know, with diagrams on a whiteboard and things to like a 10 minute coherent explanation of what these guys were actually up to. So, well, so I mean, what were the, like you had the same task, like, I mean, yeah, I, they, uh, there was no uh, preparation. I just got on the phone and talked to these guys for 10 minutes, but the questions were as basic as like, five, so what's 5.10 D or 5.14 and you're like, well, it's, you know, you actually say 514A, you know, and it's part of this whole other. So you have to go to square one. But just in terms of talking about uh, the mainstream and climbing this year, I think that 2015 really is kind of we can kind of like call this year the year that climbing did kind of break into the mainstream. And it's from the Dawn Wall, but there's lots of other people that. Uh, can really be attributed to to sort of pushing it to where it is. And one one of the most important aspects that I think is the, you know, sort of the photography and the the video that people are able to capture these days. 
cameras are getting lighter. They're getting more, you know, smaller form factors. Uh, the techniques that, you know, the guys on the cutting edge are using to get more striking positions. Uh, the use of drones, you know, we're finally able to see climbing in the way that we as climbers have always known what it is and know how to experience it. But now we're able to bring those that imagery to the mainstream. And so people are fascinated by that and they want to know what it is. And I, I think that the photography is really the reason that like the New York Times picked up on uh, the Donwall stories, because you just take one look at a photo of a, you know, a tiny little person, you know, traversing this blank wall. You're like, oh, my God, like, what's going on with this? What is this? What are these guys doing? And then I, for me, uh, see, you know, seeing climbing get into the mainstream to the degree it has, it's really helped me as a writer. Uh, so I'm really thankful for uh, just the opportunities I've had to write about it to a mainstream audience because I've had to step uh, back from the core world and, and see what it is that makes this sport so powerful and, and meaningful and it's not the things that we normally like kind of get hung up about, like, you know, top down versus ground up style or red pointing or pink pointing or, you know, all these little things that we sort of like to argue about. And the real to me, the takeaway is that, you know, people like to see people who persevere uh, in the face of great challenge and adversity and who fail 99 out of 100 times as most, you know, hard roots tend to, you know, we fail 99 out of 100 times and, and we continue to go out and we continue to love it and, and people respond to that passion. And and then when on top of, and so when there's that storytelling of explaining the, these like very core universal elements about what makes us human, and then you add on top of that this incredible new uh, photography and video that is being captured, I think that, this is going to be the year and it's going to continue to grow in the mainstream because, you know, there's, there's writer, there's the writers, there's the photographers, there's the videographers who are out there telling these stories. And, and, uh, you know, like Jimmy Chin's film, for example, is picked up by universal. It's going to be, uh, you know, as the people's choice at Sundance and, um, and yeah. And so these stories are going to continue to, I think, uh, we're going to continue to see them in the mainstream. And I think that's a good thing. Did you guys, uh, well, maybe not you, Hayden, because your social media presence is is nearly non-existent, which we'll get to in just a second. But <laughs> did you guys, uh, I'm not, oh, I got some followers, you're proud man. of that. You're proud of that. <laughs> I got some cosmic followers. All right. Huh? Did you guys see uh, like a bump in, in in visitation or anything to your websites in terms of this? Oh, I, th I think it's like an opportunity for you to comment on something, and like, I did a couple pieces that were um, that got a lot of traffic because of that. You know, it's just like, well, this is what people want to talk about. And one of the things I did that got the most traffic was just to collect all the kind of um, weirdly inappropriate and funny comments from the New York Times stories that, and put them all on Adventure Journal, and it it went fairly really viral for that i mean they were it was just all the people not understanding climbing or or hating on it for one reason or another you know just like oh i'm not impressed or um and that was uh it took a while to sift through all those comments but it was oddly really fun um but it also was just like wow this is really 
people just don't get it. I wonder if like fly fishermen feel the same way about their thing that they, you know, or, or like whatever people do for fun, you know, like this is, yeah, the world doesn't get it. Part, part of that may be the fault of the writer, but part of it I think is just what we do is so, so complicated and to explain. And, you know, it just doesn't like, like Andrew was saying, I think it, everybody latched onto that story because it, it's like this metaphor for the American dream, you know, like, the guy who fails, 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 and then they finally succeed. And like, I mean that that video is fantastically boring to watch. Like the la- and I sat there, the the last the live the, last day, the live last the live day. Feed. Did you Were watch they it? film that? Well, it was live feed. See? You could watch it in real it's time. It's like watching paint dry. It man. was horrible. <laughs> like like it, wall climbing is so boring, dude. Yeah, but like everybody, but I watched it for like two hours while I'm at work. I'm just like. Oh, yeah. And then, like, finally, I'm, like, waiting for the bro hug at the top. I'm like, yeah. Like, God, that was so horrible to watch. Like, it is like watching paint dry, and you know that. And, like, they're, and they're free climbing. Imagine if they're aid climbing. <laughs> well, people, like, you watch something like that, and you're just like, maybe they'll fall or something. Yeah, right, right. So, no. Okay. You know, slowly, slowly. I guess, I guess he's taking a dump, you know, whatever. <laughs> But like, you know, yeah, it's so there was a couple opportunities to like, and I think you probably got some work where people were like, hey, you're the expert. Will you write a piece? Right. Like, you know, about like, and I got, I got a couple little things like that. Nobody but, called me. Nobody. <laughs> no one called me either, dude. It's yeah. cool. Nobody called me an expert. I just right. wrote funny stuff. And like one of them I, I wrote was about how um, a lot of the comments in the New York Times were like, why don't these people do something more useful than with their time? Which is. That's a good point. Well, I. <laughs> I mean, no that's shit. not a, that's like, a pretty valid point. Yeah. I mean, climbing is a pretty contrived thing, and, like, going in free climbing is even more contrived, so... To paraphrase Kelly Cordes, though, everything we do is contrived, like, besides eating and, yeah, and like, no, trying it gets, to survive. It's and, true. Like, my point was, everything great in the world that we love is folly, you know? Like, it's, yeah. like, it's some guy goofing around with a guitar, and then, you know, play, and creates a great song, or somebody, you know, like, you think people were like, oh, Picasso, this is a great idea for you, you know, like... Yeah, you're you're really gonna succeed with this, you know, or like yeah. all the great artists we talk about. Get a so. job, Picasso. Yeah, no Get shit. a job. This like, doesn't even look like anything. <laughs> like, yeah, right. But climbing is the same. And now supposed to be a woman. I mean, and now you look at like his paintings are in museums <laughs> right. that have been constructed so that people around the world can come and just look at it. Yeah, it's so like that's so maybe the Donald will be in a museum. Too. It's like an exponential. It already is. Yosemite's like a museum to it's climbing like a, for sure. Like sh- yeah, that's true. But, I, mean, I guess people go on that big green dragon bus and go around the valley all the time and look at look at the, yep. the walls. El Capitan is Spanish for the captain. <laughs> you can actually hear that on the wall on certain days. You can hear it. It's awesome. Especially when you're aid climbing because you just watch it go by and then two hours later you watch it go by again. Your partner's another 20 feet. Two hours later he goes by again. <laughs> Um, one thing I actually, you know, I, I went back uh, this morning because I, I do my research way ahead of time and looked at the comments ba- way back on that page. And the, the thing is, is there was like a, a shift. Like if you go to the beginning and just start zooming through them, like the, the climbers or the artists or the, the dreamer kind of types like took over that thread and eventually like pretty much beat all those people down and just said, look, don't be an idiot and, and things like that. If the artist had gone and gotten a job, we wouldn't have that. If, you know, this is human achievement. This is, the, this is what it means. And, 
And finally, they kind of won the day on the on the comments. If, to, if you look you, at them most you, recently, but, but not to the original commenters, they yeah. were still right. Like, oh, for this sure, this is the internet. Yeah, yeah, know? nobody wins. But yeah, like I saw that too. Or it's like people were rising to the defensive, and I just don't have time to argue with people on the internet. It's like whatever, you know. Like, but yeah, there was, and the New York Times has recommended comments too. So to get to the good shit, you really have to like sift through like. Yeah, I actually stuff, noticed but, that. I clicked on those, and they yeah. they definitely highlighted all those like big long sort of rah rah uh, uh yeah. ones more so than the other ones so yeah i wonder whose job that is to like have to like it'd be like you know it's shoveling like out a interns. barn yeah. yeah yeah like just wading into like you know waist deep manure and like trying to find something in there that's like worth <laughs> recommending that would be the internet like the what do they call the forum uh, like auditors or whatever so Anyway, all right, I want to ask another question that's sort of tied to this thing, and this is this... Uh, he's got, like, like no questions written. Yeah, I know. He's got it going on for sure. There's things down there. Yeah, there's a couple things. There's reminders. <laughs> this, this, there's another sort of love-hate thing that, that we kind of, in, in, in all our lives, I think now, we, we sort of walk the fence on, and that is this idea of social media. And one thing, too, to go back and, and put this in perspective is that at least three of us, and to a certain extent, Hayden, who has, has some sponsorships in terms of climbing, you know, when I sit here and say, well, main, mainstream media, it, it's terrible, like, don't expose climbing, I mean, that's a bit disingenuous, because obviously I have this podcast, and the more people click on it, the more they listen, the, you know, and I'll make another couple dollars, and, and I mean, I, I, don't, I still, like, struggle with why I do this, and, and you know, I back up to like, well, maybe it'll make money one day. And that'll happen if more and more people like check this thing out. And, you know, Andrew's got obviously a vested interest in it. Uh, and, and Brendan does as well. So don't get me wrong here. I'm not being a total hypocrite. Well, actually, I kind of am, but uh, I'm aware of it. Does that make a difference <laughs> if you're aware of your hypocrisy? But in the social media thing, too, is that I have it, I use it, I've got my own Facebook page, I've got a NormaCast Facebook page, I've got an Instagram, i got a Twitter, uh, i got, you know, I don't know, everything out there under the sun. But another little thing that happened to me recently is I posted yet another picture of Indian Creek. Um, what? There's another route on El Cap we forgot to mention while we were talking about El Cap. Oh, Freerider. Anyway, um, oh, wait, we're done. Yeah, we're good. Drop That's the mic. It. Drop the mic. No, but, you know, I posted yet another picture of Indian Creek. And as much as I, you know, love that place, I've seen it, you know, grow in popularity, get crowded compared to when I first went there. And I like to be very open to that. And I usually I am able to do that. But I do have my days where I'm just like, God damn it, look at all these people. Like, this is. Ugh. And yet here I am responsible for it because I'm like talking about it on every freaking show, right? And I post all these pictures, but I got a little note, like someone just kind of said, hey, can we stop like posting everything about Indian Creek? Like the place is getting love to death, you know? And it's a tricky thing because right away I was like, well, yeah, but this picture's so great, you know? Or like, I had such a good time. I want to tell everybody about it. So is i mean what's the what do you guys think the line is do you think the the social media thing is part of this like overwhelming kind of push towards climbing that you know is is maybe sort of stealing its soul and like you know stomping on it or is it just another thing that we kind of don't need to worry about 
I, mean, I think that the main thing that irks me about it is like people will be out climbing or skiing or whatever it may be just and they live their life through a lens through their camera through their phone and it's like what are you doing these things for are you doing it just so you can post it afterwards because you know I, I I've always thought the heroes in my life you know there's doers and there's talkers and all the heroes in my life they're doers they don't like bullshit and talk they just go out and do it and you know it's like you can be out there with your friends and you can go climbing and have a really meaningful day and that doesn't you don't need to share that I don't feel like that's something that you just need to share all the time because it's something that you do and you connect with your friends and it's a very it's it's special, but it's not special at the same time, if that makes sense. There's nothing new. There's nothing authentic about that. Like, why would we need to, like, push this all the time? And so that's what irks me a little bit is I'm like, well, we're just going out cracking. Like, we don't need to be constantly, you know, being like, oh, we were just at the creek and it's so good. I'm like, well, it's always so good in the creek. <laughs> like, yeah, it's what's not a revelation. It's like not a revelation. Like, you know, you can't really reinvent the wheel here, you know. And so... And I guess, like, I have a lot of friends and, uh, like, Chris and Andrew and Brendan here. But, you know, I, I, it doesn't really irk me that much. I just wish that maybe we could all just have a little bit more of a, um, I guess, yeah, just to, just to step back a little bit and just be like, no, no, I really want to go and have this experience because this is something I really enjoy doing. And, you know, I just want to go do it. And that's it. And to put this in perspective is that, uh, of sort of professional climbers, which which uh, Hayden here kind of you know g comes in and out. He's not always that comfortable with that moniker. It's murky. It's a yeah, murky, it's a murky, murky water. thing. Yeah, he does have sponsors though. Come on. And um, do you want to name your sponsors? <laughs> One up. starts with a P. Um, but he is actually for a kid his age. Uh, you're not a kid. Sorry, to me you are. It, he's very much removed from social media more than most people I know. He fought against getting even a smartphone until just recently. Which is awesome, by the way. I'm, I'm you, not, you're that's super, really yeah. nice. Angry, angry yeah. birds. Angry birds. Well, I've gotten lost less back, in cities. Back, back to his love life. It wasn't too long ago he didn't even get texts. So I'm like texting him and nothing's happening. And pretty soon I was like, dude, how come you didn't respond to my text? He's like, I don't do texts. And I was like, you know, that's mostly how, like, girls and guys communicate, at least initially, like, with little texts, like, hey, do you want to go? And as soon as I told him that, his eyes got really big, and he was like, oh, that's why those girls never get in touch with me. <laughs> so he got texts pretty fact, fast yeah. after that. Yeah, no, it's good. And this, the, the smartphones help with the texting, which is nice. The flip phone was way heinous. <laughs> I used this T9 program, which is nice because it would like create words, but sometimes... I don't know, you guys remember that from the, from the like, 2002 yeah. or whatever? It's good times, though. It's good. It's good stuff. I, I think, I, like what you're saying, I, I hear that totally, and I, I kind of uh, try to check myself um, if I'm doing something like, on, say, Instagram, and I, like, does it come from art or ego, which I think is a line that a lot of people should um, think about. I don't know. I mean... There's a way of just saying, oh, yeah, I went rock climbing today. But there's also, like, hey, I took this photo, and maybe you like it. And, I mean, I follow several golden retrievers on Instagram because I just like dog photos. <laughs> yeah, buddy. You know? and like, That's awesome. Yeah. Right? Well, I think it's important to note, too. I mean, there's ego in everything, right? There's ego in not having it, right? There's ego in the, in the fight back, in the pushback. I mean, that's, I mean, we all have egos, right? And it's just, like, what level do you want to... Like, how do you want to present that, right? Because ego is not a bad thing, necessarily. Not always, at least. It, you know, it, 
doesn't have to be. No, and, and there's ego and art, too. But, like, I just kind of try to make, like, the selfie, I feel like, is just, hey, my head was here. You know, like, here's Machu Picchu. My you know? head like, was here. I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> hashtag my head was here. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what hashtags are. Like, oh, oh, dude, I'm, like, not, like, totally dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, It's uh, hard not to, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just the world that we live in. You, you invented Insta Tweet My Face Gram or whatever that, Did you that hashtag that? was. I don't know if I invented that, but yeah, but like, one. like one of my favorite Instagrams that you've done of all time was that giant loaf of bread you had in like <laughs> it was in Spain, yeah, in my Spain, giant loaf amazing. of bread. Amazing, it's yeah. like this. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks this, a lot. This triptych of photos of you. <laughs> I don't think that one got a lot of likes. I appreciate that. I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go back and unlike it and like it again. Okay, it's like, cool. This is like two years ago, but it's this huge loaf of bread, and like there's a shot <laughs> from the end of the loaf of bread. <laughs> And then I think you're using it for a pillow. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember what the third one is. I'm like, I don't remember. I, I had a I had a Normacast sticker on it. This is the total. It's the total opposite of a guy like in the bathroom taking a photo of his abs to put on Instagram or like, hey, I, I I'm doing a selfie. It was like this awesome, humorous moment that I still laugh at. I'm like. I'm so glad this platform exists so I can see this loaf of bread with Calouse. That, that did no good. That loaf of bread did no good for my abs, actually. Because so. it was. It was like, it was probably like 16,000 calories. <laughs> but yeah, but like, there's, there's just like this, uh, I think we battle with it in this like self-loathing way. And um, yeah, you can look at it as like, it's negative in a lot of ways for sure. But um, I try to see the positives in it, I guess. Um, and that loaf of bread is at the top. Thanks. Thanks, list. man. Uh, and social media? Yeah. I don't know. It's up to you. Do you got something to say? No. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, there's a lot of kids, millennials, who are really able to make a job out of their social media. And it's kind of an incredible thing to see, like, how, how kids are sort of leveraging companies to allow them to do whatever it is that they want to do. And if it means just, like, making themselves into fashion models on their Instagram account and tagging their sponsors, then, you know, I think that they're, they're sort of have to have that little conversation with themselves, like, am I okay with this? And, you know, do the, uh, do the benefits outweigh the, the negatives? And, yeah, to Hayden's point, like, I think that the presence of the camera and the, you know, the, the sort of constantly self-referential... Uh, treatment of everything that you do is can detract from the experience but um you know on the other hand it's like they're also not necessarily working nine to five jobs either you know so i will say that we social media has gotten to a point now where like you can literally not take a shit without being marketed to and that's only because you like obviously look at your iphone while you take a shit but (laughs) um and if the answer to the question is like just don't bring your iPhone into the bathroom, like then you'll just, just don't be bring boring. Your iPhone what would you into the do? Bathroom. Like what would you do? You'd just be boring. So you gotta like read the back of the shampoo bottle. Yeah, but the, the magazine, the you know, the pre iPhone iPad technology called the magazine, that's marketing to you as well. You've always been marketed to on the on the throne. Like, for sure. Yeah, but it's now now what's the interesting shift is that it's not the companies who are doing the marketing, they're they are sending out their like drones to do the marketing for them and they've turned people who aren't you know who i don't know i guess they're just like empowering you know lots of people 
in their social media network through product or money or some kind of sponsorship to uh, to do the marketing for them. And I think that people are probably just like every marketing, like I'm sure has like waves where it's useful and then not useful. I'm sure maybe in a year, maybe in six months, maybe in five years, we'll get sick of seeing that and it'll be something else. And whoever comes up with that new idea for how to, you know, for, for what the new cool thing is, will will be really successful. But yeah, billions of dollars successful. These these billions, platforms yeah. are worth in some weird, impossible way to understand that Twitter is worth like forty billion dollars. I have no idea. Facebook. I mean, my my perspective on it is that there's a lot of like harping on Facebook, you know, just because you're stuck to it all the time or whatever. But in terms of climbing, one thing I noticed right away when I got sort of talked into getting on it is that within the climbing community, and part of the reason I do this podcast and, and I've been somewhat successful with it is because I have this huge network of climbing friends all over the world that I've cultivated for 25 years now. And that has all sorts of benefits and almost no negatives. And the cool thing about Facebook is that I can keep track of these people. Um, and in terms of climbing, it's like it is, you know, this like little kind of adventure network like, oh, this guy's here. And oh, that friend of mine is in Baffin or just got back from Baffin Island. Look at these pictures or, you know, you know the, the other and, side to that. And I enjoy that myself. But man, I, I mean, I just went on a trip to Lebanon and I talked every single person who I've uh, spoken to about that. It's just like they're like, hey, what have you been up to? And I was like, oh, I was in Lebanon. And they're like, oh, yeah, I saw that. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I, I said like, that 10 minutes okay, ago. Okay, it's like, well, yeah, you said that to me 10 minutes ago. Did he say it with that tone of voice? He's like, oh, yeah, oh, I saw yeah. That. Uh, That's cool. Uh, yeah, so I mean, what, what you else really do we been talk about to? now? Like, I'm already caught up on your life. So there's no, like, element of surprise in, like, just the day-to-day -day conversations that you have with people. Because everyone knows what you're doing 24-7, and it's your own fault for, for, you know, doing that to yourself. But It's <laughs> like when Dylan went electric, man. <laughs> It is. Like the a similar stuff. conflicts that we're dealing with, the same issues. But to, to me, it's more like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw that. Like, I'm like, yeah, I follow you. You know, I'm like, it's like a positive thing to me. It's like, but I did, I wrote about this a long time ago before I, I did a bike trip across the country and I was like sitting in my uncle's living room telling him a story. And I was like, had this moment where I was like, you read this on the blog I put up because I did a daily blog throughout the bike trip. And I was like, you already know this story. And I was telling him in person, I was like, holy shit, what did I just do, you know? But you have those moments where you're like, yeah, okay, I already, I already did that. It's uh, okay, I tell the same stories over and over and over again. Sure. Like, my whole life. It's, you know, they That's change. That's really what the Enormacast is all about. Yeah, exactly, it's allowing me to, to make spin up... Spin your yarns. Spin my yarns on, on, a, on a public forum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good point, like... Again, let's let's back it up here. Like, I have tons of social media. This thing, the Enormacast, it's the only real advertising I've ever done with it is through that. And if you want to call that advertising, and that's just posting and act, asking people to follow it. And it's been fairly successful to a certain extent, um, and mostly free. Uh, every once in a while, I pay for a little bit for something because Facebook is starting to limit your organic. Uh, your did you know this? That oh yeah 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 so. They make you pay to get, get it out there. But, you know, so again, like backing up, but I, I guess I agree with you as well in terms of like your close friends. But 
there's so many people who I haven't seen, you know, in person, literally around the world for years. I mean, guys in, in, in Australia that I, I met in, in the early 90s when I went down there, who I, I'm still aware of what they're up to. And, and, you know, when people talk about social media and the proponents of it, that's their, you know, that's their push. And it's a valid point, I think. And as long as you have, like, personal control over, you know, the constant pictures of your breakfast that you want to post or whatever it happens to be, I, I find it to be, you know, mostly positive in terms of climbing and in terms of me being able to kind of keep track of people. And, and it's fun, you know. And then if something pops up, I can send them a message instantly. And, you know, I know I do the old guy thing, but calling Australia used to be really expensive. And it probably still is. <laughs> but it used to be impossible. And sending a letter, like, it was like, oh, yeah, a month and a half later, your freaking letter gets there. I have an app that, like, call Australia the app. Yeah, well, there's WhatsApp. Skype. That's all free. Yes. Anyway, but did you have something to say? We, no, not really. Not really. Okay. <laughs> Anything else on that one? I, I think that like the money is always going to follow the media, and it always has. Like, you know, nobody's going to invest in a magazine that's not read. You know, but if it's so, people are going to people are going to put ads in magazines that are read, and and just the the way we communicate is changing. I think change is the new. You know, for years and years and years, we just said print media, and then somebody was like, TV. Oh my God, this is the worst thing ever, and. You can still say that, actually, but um, we have all these different little channels that we can follow people on, and whoever gets tons of followers, yeah, they can, they can sell out. Um, hopefully, you're getting thousands of dollars, but maybe you just did it for a free backpack. I mean, whatever, you know, like, it's, that's up to you. But, um, like, marketing is always going to go towards where it can reach people, and whether we lament, you know, like, oh, my God, it's all, like, 140 characters, this and that. Why can't you just sit down and read an 8,000-word story in Harper's anymore? And, like, yeah, we'll miss those things, or they'll, they'll find another avenue. But I think it's a really exciting time to be in media creation where you're like, I might try to sell somebody a hashtag. Like, that could happen, you know? Or, but you can still write these long pieces that, you know, like Andrew writes for magazines and his website and, like, you can do what you want to do, and hopefully the people will come to it and give you the power to make money off of it so you can get paid to do what you love. Um, I, I know you probably put stuff on your website where you're like, wow, this is 2,200 words. You know, is anybody going to get to the end of this? But I really don't want to cut it. You know, like, this is what, I'm, this is what I want to say. And instead of having to take it to a magazine and have them say, ah, you know, it's just too much, too much this and that, and, like, you're, you're in your own head or whatever, and like okay i'll just put it on my website and people respond and say this is really great and it gets shared all over the internet and thusly you make money not like the old way but i think that's really refreshing that as a person who creates stuff um i don't know if that speaks to your marketing well it does because there's, there's one last thing that i think is positive if it's not social media but about the internet in general is that the gatekeepers that used to to be in charge of publishing, whether it was in a magazine or, or making a book or anything else, they're gone. And if, if, if Andrew writes something that he's proud of and he puts it on his website and nobody reads it, well, at least it got out there. If it's too long for, for, to capture the attention of a certain type of person, but you know, at the same time, there are going to be some people that find it and respond to it. And 20 years ago, that was... I mean, what were you going to do? Go to the street corner and like pass it out on a piece of paper? So you create, a, you create a zine. Yeah, a zine. That's right. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, I think that's an, again like as we talk about all these media outlets or whatever, there is 
there are these positives. I wanted to talk about everything. Well, you know, you know I think that just to talk about blog length, I, I think that you know media today is is only increased the standards of what's being written and and what's being photographed and and turned into videos because there's so much content out there. So regardless of what the length is, like the idea has to be really good and you're held to such a higher standard of creativity that um, I think it's only been a good thing. Uh, you know, I don't think that I don't see like, Oh, you know, this article is like way too long for a traditional magazine. So I'll just throw it on my blog because because I'm too, uh, I have too much ego and in, invested in it to cut it down to what it should be. You know, in fact, I think it's quite the opposite. Where if it's on my blog, it's the exact right word length that needs to be because I I hold you know myself and anything I put on there to the highest standards that of creativity that I can you know come up with. Part and, of that's maybe because you don't have another editor, right? Like, um, where you're the last, the last. Yeah, perhaps, but you know, yeah, I I think that that's probably part of it. But like, if you know, I see, you know, the if I see something that doesn't get as much traffic, it's because it's my own fault for, you know, not you know not making it into the best story it can be. So, you know, it's like you have to be held to the highest standards now because there's so much content out there. There's so many other voices and. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a really uh, interesting time where you can just kind of come up with your own idea and write your own ticket, whether that's starting a podcast or, you know, write my own ticket, do, doing it's, whatever you want it's in the mail. My ticket's coming. It's super punk. It's like the early days of punk. It's like Minor Threat making their own albums. You know, do you know this? I'm sorry. Yeah. Was that too old for everybody? I'm sorry. <laughs> they like they printed their first. They like literally went and had their first album pressed and like made all the album covers, like, glued them together themselves, 10,000 copies. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they were, like, yeah. one of the early sort of guys, folks, to break that, that studio mold and yeah. just do it themselves. All right, well, listen, we're out of time. We've been up here an hour. I really appreciate everybody coming up to uh, see this, coming out to see this, and I want to thank my guests, Andrew, Brendan, and Hayden, for sitting down with me in a nice, relaxed fashion and doing such a good job. So thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for coming. Five points tonight. Uh, I'm going to MC tonight. But the big thing, if you guys are climbers, is Yosemite Sunday is going to be awesome. I almost said off the hook, but that would have made me sound like an idiot. So <laughs> Off the chain, yo. It's off the chain, the hook. So come and check that out. If you guys are climbers, it's going to be amazing. So, And I'm also going to MC that as well. I'm, like I've made the joke, I'm the sixth point in five point this year. So... <laughs> Thanks for coming, you guys. Go straight ahead. Go straight ahead. Try and write the next two corners. And first, though, your son, authorized. Personnel only, yeah. open that door, that's the stage. You think so? You authorize, you're bringing musicians, aren't you? Yeah. All right. Thank you, thank you very much. Rock and roll! Rock and roll! Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Rock and roll.